Welcome to another episode of One For You, the movie podcast where we discuss the most interesting fresh movies, but also look back into the past to find the gems in cinema history. I'm Olivia Chonameo. I'm Andre Erdin. And we have finally returned to our original format. It's been a while, right? Yeah. I mean, there were some extra episodes, there were some guests, whom we shall not mention. No, I'm sure. No, it was lovely. You did you did good. Okay. Everybody's glad Olivia's back. <laughs> yes, so am I. All right. And uh, yeah, like we're going to return to the, the format. So that means, Andre, is there any film that you've seen in the last two weeks that you would like to recommend? Well, I haven't seen anything new, but as I said in last... Wow. Nothing? No, nothing new. I nothing had lots new? to do. I had lots to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched some films at home. Uh -huh. And uh, among others, I watched Halloween because last week it was Halloween. And uh, I watched the original for the first time. I really enjoyed it. I was really creeped out because I can't handle Halloween films or horror films in general that, yeah. that much. So, But I gave it a shot. And then because I enjoyed it so much, I also watched um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was also creepy, but good. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen anything new? <laughs> I actually managed to go to the cinema and I saw Fahrenheit 11.9. I always think it's the wrong way around, but it's correct. It's Fahrenheit 11.9 and by Michael Moore. And it's basically, you know, I'm not entirely sure what it's about. And I think that's also one of the issues of the film. So it starts with the election night when Trump was elected and then it goes on very different paths. It goes on about what Democrats did and what the Republicans did. And then it's about Flint and the water crisis there and everything. And he does make some interesting points, but I feel like there, um, like he needs to sort of give us a, a through line in the film that's sort of missing. And sometimes he's a little, little bit more of an activist than a, just a filmmaker, you know, mm -hmm. he gets involved. And some, but that has been his style since. I know, that's yeah. his style. You can like it or you cannot like okay. it. But I also think sometimes it was just like his thesis, but there wasn't enough support for that. But I think it's an interesting um, point if you want to have, you know, someone who is... Um, what the Americans call a liberal and then um, also but also you know sort of from a working class background okay so now to the big release of this episode it's Bohemian Rhapsody Andre give us your thoughts all right as the title may suggest it's the film about Freddie Mercury and the band Queen uh, so it starts out when Freddie Mercury meets the band in the first, uh, first time and then goes up to the point of uh, 1985 where they play the Life 8 um, support uh, concert, which they do for charity. And uh, yeah, the, the film tells his whole story, his life story um, and his relationship to the band. Um, the, the film has been, uh, the production history has been a bit troubled. Um, there has been uh, several directorial and cast changes. For example, Sasha Baron Cohen, for example, was uh, um, at one point cast as Freddie Mercury himself, then replaced by uh, Remy Malik, who now is in the film because the band thought Sasha Baron Cohen is a bit of a comedical actor and they, they wanted somebody more grounded let's yeah, put it that I way. also think he had yeah. an entirely different vision of the film that was a little yes. bit darker than the end result and because yeah. the band members were involved absolutely yeah they had a say in it that's that's always a point mm -hmm. because the band was involved they also had a say in it yeah. so and then uh, another change that happened was Brian Singer who was the original um, and also credited director of the film was uh, replaced after he misbehaved 
on uh, on set he uh, didn't show up several times and one time he didn't show up for three days and uh, the cinematographer or whoever else was there had to take over the shoot for several days and after that um, the, the studio fox decided to drop him and he was replaced by um, dexter fletcher interestingly he directs or directed um, the elton john uh, biopic rocket man which is coming out very soon i think mm-hmm. um, is not credited which is a bit weird, not mentioned in the credits at all, even uh, though he... Doesn't he have a producer? I thought he had a producer credit, but I'm not sure. Okay, I didn't see it is, in the credits. It's the but, rules of the yeah. um, Producers Guild of America or whatever Directors it's called. Directors Guild even, the yeah. Directors they Guild. decide yes, exactly. on it. Yeah. And they, can ha- they only have like one um, guy as, a, as the director. And I mean, mm. Brian Singer had shot like 85% or so of the film already yeah. when Dexter Fletcher stepped in, who he was... Um, they called him because he was at one point actually going to make the movie but then they went with Brian Singer instead but then when Brian Singer you know screwed up they they called on that Fletcher who you know had done um, Eddie the Eagle Eddie the Eagle and another musical you know Sunshine on Leith which was about the or with songs from the Proclaimers yeah so So bottom line pretty messy production history and adding to that Brian Singer um uh, it has come forward in the last year and also before that he has been uh, the subject to a series of accusations, starting with films uh, he directed in uh, Usual Suspects with Kevin Spacey, where he apparently or uh, reportedly so uh, condoned misappropriate behavior of Kevin Spacey, which now yeah takes a totally different uh, dimension in, in this age. And also several others which have been brought to court but then uh, repealed uh, yeah we should say not about other people but he yeah. has been accused of sexual of. assault um, mostly minors and um, some of them have come to co- have gone to court but have been dismissed or you know taken um, back by those who have accused yeah. him but there are currently lawsuits going on and we don't know the outcome of those but apparently it's been sort of like an open secret that yes and he also has been yeah. on twitter it has been a conversation uh, several uh, famous people like christian uh, christina christine stepped forward and and accused him uh, publicly on twitter um so this leads us into my dilemma uh should i choose this film for this week's uh, uh new release or should we go watch something else because i feel if if we choose to go watch this film, we in in one way or another we support the film because in a in the capitalist society and let's be real, in this society we live, it's the only way to vote for something or for a film commercially is by paying money, by paying the the, the ticket price and say okay I want to see this or I want to see more of this. So by choosing to go see this film, I. In, or we in some way or another support Brian Singer as a director, even though there is many other uh, dimensions involved. And yeah, maybe that's we can, what, yeah, that's what I mean. You came to me and said, please, uh, can we not go watch this film because of Brian Singer? And I thought, and I said, okay, fair enough, but also maybe consider all the other people yeah. who have been involved in this. I mean, like at the end of the film, there was something like there 15,000 jobs have yeah. been created by this film. Okay, I don't know if this number is correct, and you know that's probably going very, very far, but still, I mean, there are a number of people involved. For instance, Rami Malek. This is like his his big break into the feature world, mm. and you know, 
is it it's not his fault that mm. their director did this and i think movies i mean especially this kind of big studio film which i think this is there's such a collaborative effort do you know say this is a brian singer film and then just leave it at that i think that does not do justice yeah to everything and it was absolutely on. not marketed as a brian singer film so is it is it then rightful to say okay i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, Boycott. Boycott the film because he directed it, even though it's not it's not his film. It's Queen, the film. It's Freddie Mercury. It's uh, with Rami Malek. But at the same time, uh, with directors like uh, Polanski or Alan, which have have been reportedly um, uh, involved in very shady stuff. Those people, I also say, I, I don't go watch these mm -hmm. films in the movies because I don't want to support them financially because I. Even though I, I want to see the, those films, I don't go to see them in the movies. Yeah. I see them at home, maybe on Netflix, where I don't pay specifically for that. And then I feel it's a bit of a double standard to do that with somebody like Brian Singer. The other problem is there's also these investigations are ongoing. So the accused is not... Is not um, there has not been a conviction. A conviction. Yeah. So there's this all other, uh, all other thing. But then in... Uh, how the last year or two have shown in in a system as Hollywood, where there's so such steep power relations, people come forward and step back because there is so much other dynamics mm -hmm. um, playing into that. That is true. So and this has been a, a long reported history of him and there. Um, I read an article where they just basically list all his scandals and if that is truthful or not, that is an entirely other question. But it just puts me us into this dilemma i feel that is true but i also think you know what we're doing now you know going um we're discussing this so people are hearing about it because i mean i guess most people you know they're not gonna read like the the, the trade sites or whatever they maybe don't know about this like they just go because they think queen is cool and i think then it's a job of critics you know to sort of contextualize the film and also point these things out and I understand what you mean, but you don't want to give him money. But I also think mm -hmm. in this particular case, I mean, the man had been fired from the film. So I don't think that they're going to attribute the success or failure of the film to him. Yeah. You know, and this, this because has it's been, also been publicized. Yeah, right? And this has been the argument that actually led me to think, OK, we should go watch this movie so we can talk about it we can bring it up yeah and we can make it a subject of this episode yeah and i think you know like i, I mentioned rami malek but also the other actors you know um who play the other uh, members of the band like um uh, oh, i hope i pronounce this correctly quillim lee ben hardy or or like joseph and mazzello i mean they've had some acting gigs but mm. not big ones and this is then their big break and of course you could say oh big but they had heard rumors about brian singer why would they go work with him mm. but again they're not the ones who are in the in the position of power here so i think you know we can also say you know we want to support them i think it's so i was thinking maybe it's different you know if you say i don't buy this book because this particular author is a terrible person because of course also other people work editors and stuff but it's more of a the of a um like the the, collaborative the effort of a single yeah. person whereas i think a film like oh, this yeah. particular is you know in particular is a collaborative effort and i don't want to necessarily punish people who didn't do anything but yeah i mean so we came down on the side of we're gonna watch it and now we're gonna discuss it yes yeah so you already told us you know what is going on in the film so do you think it was worth it <sighs> i did not have a great time. 
<laughs> it's I I sighed a lot, which is a bad sign for me. Uh, yeah, very bad. <laughs> uh, I I thought it had okay parts in it. Yeah. The songs are excellent because Queen is yeah. fantastic, but they did a huge disjustice to the band and to the songs and Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And everybody who who created this film because what Queen makes so exciting because they 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 are so um innovative but mm-hmm. these this film is hugely formulaic. It's yeah. so by the numbers. It's like the the musical biopic 101 ABC mm-hmm. just basically told back to back and it's just it's yeah, hugely it's like, disappointing you know it hits the stage okay and then they did this song it's called bohemian rhapsody so they do this song and now they did the other song you know hitting their most famous songs yeah but then they don't even play out the song yes they you always get bits of it and there is no real performance until uh the very end i mean this is not a spoiler it goes to the live aid concert you know and like there you have an entire performance, but before that, not. And Nothing. it's so di- disappointing because it you ne- I think in a film where it's all about the music, you need to feel the music and yeah. you don't. It just felt like I watched a trailer. Yeah. Because it, it always stays, not only narratively, but then also on the song level, it stays just on the surface. It gives you the major beats and mm. then the, the song starts playing in your head and then they move on. Yeah. And there's sometimes some of their songs are like sort of like the background to an, a scene that's going on. And it's just like, no, yeah. no. And also, I'm sorry, the Live Aid concert. No. I mean, this <laughs> is one of the most legendary moments in music history. People say this, this is the greatest concert maybe that was ever played. And Freddie Mercury, you know, he had like this one acapella note. And that was the note that was heard around the world. And it's this epic, epic moment. And then they do this to it. I mean, it was just disappointing because there were like CGI crowds. It's a CGI stadium with a CGI yeah. crowd and they have close-ups of, of real actors yeah. that then they're clearly in some studio somewhere yeah. else, very much removed from this moment. And yeah. there's just this huge disconnect from the actually one of the best moments I thought was when you can actually see the band playing mm-hmm. the whole entire song. Yeah. And it's very well performed because Remy Malik is a very good mimicker i would say he he mimics him uh, yeah. um in his physique in his manner mannerisms and everything everything fits but then it's so disconnected from all these faces who yeah. supposedly Just, look at him yeah. but you don't buy it at all mm-hmm. i mean the thing that i have like now i'm comparing it to um uh Uh, A Star is Born, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's also all about the music. And I probably already talked about this. But like, you know, the moment where in um, A Star is Born, where Jackson Maines or Bradley Cooper comes out on stage and he's, you know, he feel the crowd. And I think they actually shot that at Coachella or something, right? So they had an actual live audience and... So that is big difference. And then, um, and this sounds, it's going to sound not so nice for Rami Malek, but like Bradley Cooper really sang really, really well. Yeah. And Rami Malek was dubbed. It was yeah. the original voice by uh, Freddie Mercury and some other singer, which I uh, don't have the name right now. Yeah. But it was a mix of both. Um, it's, I mean, who sings like Freddie Mercury then? Yeah. So it's not to his discount, but it, it definitely adds to um, to have the actors sing the actual mm-hmm. words, which in Star is Born, I guess, is an advantage here. Yeah. And I mean, I just, 
and like I said, you get a feel for for a concert and the music mm. in that film. And this this film just didn't do that. And um, you know, you said like it's the story of Freddie Mercury and also the band Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, that's true. I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, it's sort of a biopic of Freddie Mercury. But of course, you cannot tell his story without without mm. the band. It's ironic that the band was so involved yeah. and, and didn't want to tell the story Sasha Baron Cohen wanted, which was mainly about uh, Freddie Mercury. But now it's it's just that the, the band is a side gig. Yeah. Wait, no wait, what did you say? You said Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to have a story mainly about... Uh, it's a, it basically a solo film about Freddie oh, Mercury. That, oh, and yeah. they didn't want that. Okay, yeah. so They wanted to have it. more involvement oh. also in the narrative of, of the, the band. band. But this... That, I mean, no. The, I mean, no. you you see them. Okay, this is the one. Oh, I know the hair. This is, this is Brian May. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and you're like, okay. And then they just they're just there in the background, sort of. Yeah. And you know, I, I was really thinking there was this one instance where um, Freddie Mercury basically says like, "Why we why Queen is special?" And he says, you know, because we are outsiders and blah blah blah. And you know why he thinks he's an outsider or mm -hmm. he is an outsider. He's the child of immigrants. He's gay. He's so dramatic you know like so extra but you don't know and then i was like but what about the others why are you outsiders i know nothing about you except that you studied astrophysics and you wanted to become a dentist and you're the drummer yes uh like yeah. you know that doesn't there's not enough it of, was of hugely imbalanced yeah yeah and another thing is also it's very inconsistent in tone it just it goes from as we said, it's very choppy as it goes from one scene to the next. It doesn't really play out anything. There's no single scene where there's 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 a focus that is then played out. Yeah. There's not one single scene. And it's very frustrating. And then it also jumps tonally all over the place. And I mean, to make the comparison to the song Bohemian Rhapsody, it's also tonally very inconsistent. It mixes genre, mm -hmm. but it's so well crafted and so... Um, minutely um, timed everything yeah. and just such an overall amazing creation and as we said before it does it hugely it's a, hu a huge disjustice because it maybe tries to do that but it fails miserably yeah no and I mean also the issue that you always have if you have sort of biopics um, you know when people are involved like the mm. state of the family or in this case the band you always sort of have the feeling that some things have been sanitized. And I think in this case, maybe a little bit, you know, um, there was this chord in the band and they do talk about this. But then sort of everything is blamed on um, the manager, um, Paul Prenter, played by Alan Leach. And it's just like he's like this villain, like a Disney villain, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that he's the villain. Yeah. He's going to become the villain. And then, you know, oh, I'm not The setup to... comes yeah. so early and then the payoff is so lame. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to tell them, tell yeah. Freddy that you phoned. Ha, 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 yeah. And ha. adding to that, it, it's basically a 101 romance story where boy meets band, band and boy break up, boy and band come back together. It's, it's all that. It's just so... Yeah, and you just want more because Queen, you know, and their songs, they are amazing. I mean, there were some ladies behind us in the cinema. They were really into it. And then <laughs> um, uh, We Will Rock You came on, basically. And, you know, and it's they, a song that the crowd can clap along to. Yes, they said in the film. And so the ladies thought, let's do that. And it was terrible because they were, you know, not offbeat. Oh, they were offbeat and everything, and it's clapped like, every second time, yes. but on the wrong note. Yeah. yeah, and but then 
I think they really enjoyed the film because yeah. while they were leaving, they said, I think I'm going to watch it again. So I guess for some people it works, but I just don't think it's a good film. So no. I say not one for me. No, not one for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to our gem, which is basically not going back too far in history. It's in the year 2017. Yes, um, it's the film called Beach Rats. Yes, Beach Rats is the film. Yes. <laughs> and uh, guys, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, maybe go watch it. If you don't care about spoilers... It's on Netflix. Keep on listening. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So it's really, really easy to get to and should watch it because I don't think it got a very wide release, no, actually. Didn't. So, yeah. So what is the film about? Um, basically, it's about this guy, Frankie, who lives in, in Brooklyn. And he's having, a, you know, a summer. I think it's summer, it's like summer after holiday, after yeah. after school has finished. And he's just sort of coasting along with his friends, you know, going to the pier or playing ball or whatever. But also, actually, um, what he's also doing is he's struggling with his sexuality because he's going online and looking for for older men to 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 meet up and and, and have sex with because he can't really, you know, integrate this sort of into his into his everyday life. At the same time, also, um, his father is dying of cancer and uh, there's this whole lot of, uh, yeah, he has many, many things aren't going so well for him right now. And um, the, the struggle with his sexuality is, is a big, is a big part of it. Yeah. And at it. the same time, he meets his girl, Simone, yes. which uh, he gets involved with. But then, yeah, there's this, there's this always this tension that he's not really attracted to her, yeah. but is, is looking for a gay romance at the same time, or maybe not a romance, but, but just, uh, yeah, yeah, he's interested in men and not in her. And I find it very interesting. And um, uh, Madeline Weinstein, who, who plays, um, who plays uh, Simone, Simone yeah. actually has a basically a, the same same role in Alex Strangelove, where she's also the boy, uh, the girlfriend of a of a guy who's figuring out his sexuality, and then turns out typecast. He doesn't like her that way. So yeah, that was just a weird thing that I found out. Yeah, but I think it's a very um, uh, like Eliza Hitman, who uh, is the director, has yeah. like created a very naturalistic tone for the film. Yeah. You know, you you see them just hanging out, and I think also like part of his friends maybe were um, uh, were like street cast or something because yeah. they only have one IMDb credit, and this is it. <laughs> um, but the the guy who plays Frankie Harris Dickinson is actually he's a he's a professional actor um, uh, from from Britain, but here he play, very convincingly plays a young American man. Extremely convincing. Yes. I think he's he's very, very good. Mm. You know, you can see, like, um, he's, Frank isn't very talkative, but you can see the struggle play out, like, on his face really well, I think. Yeah, and those are the strongest moments for me when, when there's quiet moments. Because, to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody, it's extremely nuanced and interested in tone. And it creates tone by these very um, small moments that are silent, where we just... Um, the camera lingers on him and huge credit to uh, cinematographer uh, Helen Luvar, who is a, um, a, a cinematographer who has worked with uh, Eliza Hitman before. And she's the, 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 his face and the camera just works so well together. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And those, are, those were my favorite moments because I think the... The story on its own is was for me a bit predictable, maybe. Mm -hmm. It was interesting to see such a nuanced story, but it didn't um, intrigue me as much as trying to figure out what is going on in 
in this head of yeah, this boy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the way it's created. I mean, mm. I mean, he is the, the, the I think he's the only character who's actually fleshed out. All the others yeah. are sort of there. I don't think you know the name of their friend of of his friends. I don't remember them. Yeah, Simone, like, maybe the mother. Yeah, the, 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 the father is just a father. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. He's just lying mm. there in, in the bed, and then he's dead. And the yeah. sister has a little bit more to do. But it's very much his film. But I think because it's so about his internal life. Um, mm. And he does play really well, you know, like I said, you can really, you can always see what he's thinking. So you can follow him, but it's also maybe a little bit distancing because it's so much focused on him. But what you were going to, what you said uh, before about, about the whole cinematography, I think it's very interesting. It's very much like the camera is like this desiring gaze at times, you know, it looks at body parts, but not in a leering way. But, but it's just aestheticizing. Like, yeah, but like also like it. Because it's his film, it's like he's looking at mm. at these there are bodies. entire scenes where the the boys, him and his friends, yeah. play ball, and they're all um, topless in the sun. And it's at certain points it goes into slow motion, but you don't really see their faces. So it's just their bodies mm. sweatily playing in the sun in this ball. And then at one point he he has an emotional moment. He goes out and plays ball by himself in the rain. And there it's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I really like the like what the camera does there. I mean, it starts already like this um, because it begins with him taking selfies in the mirror that he, mm. I think, wants to upload on, on, this, uh, on this website where he's yeah. sort of cruising for guys. And you have these chopped up bits of his body, you know, you mm. see him like standing there with his... It's with very his staged. On. Yeah, but like, I think that's yeah. how the youth does it. Yeah, no? and he also creates his identity yeah. for that because he stages himself and... And through these through these puzzle pieces, he he tries to create an identity for him, and that that opening, which is, it was really strong because it's just it uh, it gives you the the the, the thesis, and then it, it plays it out. It gives you the what? The thesis. For, oh, the thesis. Uh, yeah, yeah, the thesis for uh, for the film. This um, this struggle of like how should I present myself mm -hmm. in this world? Yeah. He takes pictures of himself in the mirror. So also we have this double play of yeah, his yeah. double life. So it mirrors, it literally ah. mirrors that. <laughs> um, and then also how should he um, present himself in, uh, on these, on these gay, um, uh, in these gay chat rooms yeah. and with his friends. And it's, it's very much, this double life playing mm. out and then also his his uh his relationship with simone yeah and I, I thought it was a really strong opening yeah and um i think it's where you always have like the things happening both of his life for mm. instant lives basically like the uh, question of intimacy right so he's looking for obviously physical contact with men you know sexual physical contact but also with his friends there is a lot of physical contact but it's a very different kind of physical context and you know he has to sort of separate the not that he's struggling with it at all, but you really, I mean, I don't know. Generally, I think in American films, it's very often so that, that the case that any physical context is really charged, you mm -hmm. know, I think, which is mm, weird, but okay. So, but here you really have, you know, on the one hand, the sexual context, but then on um, contact and then on the other hand, like physical contact that is sort of like friendly, you know, still of an intimate nature because it's with his friends, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and very natural, mm -hmm. very natural, and that that is also something that I found very amazing because um, even though it it all feels improvised, I 
I have the sense that the dialogue is extremely deliberate. Mm -hmm. It starts with with a few lines that are repeated. Then it, it says, for example, when he's uh, in the first in the first uh, few minutes when he's in the chat room, and he says, "I don't really know what I want mm -hmm. or what I like," yeah. and then he says that back. Uh, he repeats that again and again, and um, then in a in a in a later scene when Simon um, takes him home to his place and she asks him, "Am I pretty? Am I pretty? Am I pretty?" Mm -hmm. and then he basically appropriates that language and later when he wants to get her back just talks talks it back to her mm -hmm. but it feels extremely empty so it, we have this appropriation of this language just because he doesn't know what what he wants mm -hmm. because he doesn't know how to say what he wants yeah he just takes the language and plays it back yeah he cannot speak you're very often after mm -hmm. this case i mean his mother obviously she knows something is going on because it's not not just you know hooking up uh, with older men because he always hooks up with older men because he thinks they won't know anyone he knows and mm -hmm. um, but also his dad has died and he there's some su substance abuse, you know, he's using his dad's oxy, they're, they're smoking weed all the time. So she figures out, and she also doesn't like his friends, so she figures out something is wrong towards the end. And then she says, tell me what's going on, tell me what's going on. And you see his face, but he can't speak the words. Mm -hmm. he, can, he cannot articulate mm -hmm. anything. And yes, spoilers, it's not really resolved. No, no. Ever. And not, his identity is not resolved. And that that's what I found so refreshing because mm -hmm. it doesn't represent uh, represent sexuality as binary as it does in Bohemian Rhapsody. There's one scene where Freddie Mercury goes to his wife and says, to his, I, "No, his fiance, his fiance, okay, yeah. his fiance," and says, "I'm I'm bisexual," and she says, "No, you are gay." So it, it creates this, these very clear binaries. Mm -hmm. But what the Beatra does then, on the other hand, is say sexuality is fluid and you can be either or or both or whatever yeah i mean he just doesn't figure it out for himself yeah. and um you know it comes sort of uh, he's he's just running basically then around the pier you, he's at in the same place you know where where the whole story basically started but but you don't know you know what he's gonna do and it, it ends with because he kind of he kind of fucks up because um him and his friends sort of lure um, mm. um, a guy to under the pretext of sex they lure him um, somewhere to the beach and then they basically almost they rob him they and, rob him and it's implied they, that he, he dies he might have died yeah. we don't know what happens and he doesn't know what happened yeah. so yeah do you think that was necessary you know the whole escalation so it's a very dark turn and mm -hmm. I, I thought I, I was I was wanting and expecting a certain escalation and a, yeah. a, a climax and I thought it was it was um it was one with, with no payoff and that was very well done so it, mm -hmm. it performed this okay nothing is really settled so it I thought it it did it very well it was extremely painful to watch because it was it, it, it's a really dark turn in the end mm -hmm. I, for me on this beach and this guy gets knocked down in the midst of waves mm -hmm. and you just don't know what happens to him and it just adds another dimension because now he is he is perhaps a murderer or a complicit murderer mm -hmm. and it just compl complicates things and that i thought was very interesting yeah, I'm just wondering now, you know, I mean, obviously something had to happen, you know, with his friends or mm -hmm. his family or someone figuring it out or, you know, coming close because that's why he goes through with this because his friends almost figured it out. So he's trying to distract them. But, you know, it's not that I didn't like it. 
it just I was just wondering now if it was necessary because it's very different from like the rest. Yeah. Although they have behaved uh, like you know behaved in like a criminal manner before because they like stole money and stuff and there's excessive the drug use. Yeah, yeah, they, so yeah, yeah, so maybe that that works. Yeah, yeah, so pretty good. Yeah, I guess. one for yeah. me. I think I I liked it, but it's not necessarily something that I I rewatch. But yeah. I, I I liked it for what it was, so it yeah. was one for me. Yeah. Go check it out, guys! It's on Netflix. Okay, so before we end this episode, uh, let's look into the future. Andre, is there a film that you're particularly looking forward to? Yes. Uh, next week, uh, First Man by Damien, uh, Damien Chazelle is coming out with um, Ryan Gosling playing Neil Armstrong, First Man on the Moon. And um, apparently he gets to the moon. What? Spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward because uh, I, I really liked La La Land a few years ago and uh, Damien Chazelle's first film, feature film, uh, Whiplash, I highly enjoyed. And I I like uh, that he now goes into some more um, serious... Okay, no, Whiplash was really serious. It was that very was, serious. That was brutal and serious. Ooh. But perhaps not something musical, so he tries something new. And um, yeah, looking forward to that. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to A Simple Favor by Paul Feig because I don't know what's happening, you know? <laughs> From all the reports I've heard, this film is totally insane. Um, it's basically the story of two women played by um, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. And uh, Anna Kendrick is, yeah, Anna Kendrick is sort of like this mommy blogger and um, she sort of befriends Blake Lively's character, who's like the style icon and super awesome or whatever and then she does a simple favor for her freddie mercury of the suburb yes she uh, <laughs> does a simple favor for her looks after her kids and then the blake lively character doesn't show up anymore and apparently it's like genre noir but also a comedy but also a thriller so i have no idea we'll see what happens <laughs> And uh, that was it for this episode, I think. You know, yeah. did feel good to, you know, return to our roots. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Uh, it feels like home. Feels like home, indeed. Um, to never miss any of our episodes, subscribe to the One For You podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or, you know, your podcast provider, whatever you use. Subscribe, give us a good rating. Maybe, you know, give us a comment, make a suggestion for a gem that we could watch. Um, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram where we're, at one for you pod here next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>